It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. Welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone. This is PJ. Thanks for joining us. And again, we have Corey Smith, NFL writer for RotoWire, joining us. And this edition, we're talking about best ball and some of those values can find. And Corey, let's start off with it. I do get questions. What exactly is the best ball format? It's been picking up in popularity the last couple of years. So explain it a little bit for us that are kind of new to the concept. Certainly. And even more rare than the uh, auction draft that we discussed last week. But what you can do with the best ball here, if you just want to be lazy, draft <laughs> the team, sit back and let it play out. Best ball is for you. Also, if you're the kind of person that constantly starts a running back that scores five points and your backup running back scores 25 points, best ball is for you. I love best ball. It's basically a format where you draft a full team. Of course, there are variations. You can customize your league to have you know, more or less roster spots, start certain roster spots. But basically, it's just a regular fantasy league where you draft a starting lineup and you draft a bench. But really, there is no bench and there is no starting lineup. It's whoever at a certain position on your roster has the best week in fantasy, their points will count towards your team total. So basically, if you start Josh Allen and he gets 17 points and you start Mitch Trubisky, I don't know why you do that to yourself, and he gets nine (laughs) points, you would get Josh Allen's points. You would get the 17 or whatever number I said first, Art. You would get the more points. Yes. So that applies to every single position on your roster. So the thing about best ball is I kind of like to compliment high floor people, you know, high floor players uh, for playing PPR, you know, the Robert Woods of the world, the Jarvis Landry's of the world, people who you know are going to get you 12, 15 points in PPR. They're going to get you double digits in standard scoring. But then you also in best ball, you take a few more chances on guys who maybe have an injury history, maybe don't get a ton of volume, but they're guys who, you know, they're big play guys. They score a lot of touchdowns deep passes, those kinds of players have a little bit more appeal in best ball. All right, so let's start off with some of those best ball values out there, and we are going to start with a backfield, the San Francisco 49ers backfield. Corey, tell us about this. This is exactly where the best ball comes in, and comes in because it will require multiple picks. Now, I know Raheem Mostert is the top back here. He was red hot down the stretch, not one, not two, but three 20-point PPR outings between weeks 13 and 17 last last year. So basically the last week of the fantasy regular season in the playoffs, he got you 20-plus points on three occasions. That, that's definitely running back one production. That's, you know, top five production most weeks or over the course of the season for sure. So Mostert was red hot down the stretch. His playoff run was miraculous. It was incredible. 336 rushing yards across the 49ers, three playoff games. I didn't mean to, Paul, I didn't mean to put this on the sheet. I forgot to take it off. 220 yards against the Packers. Yep. <laughs> in the championship. <laughs> it was just embarrassing to watch, yes. That was a rough day, but Mostert, yeah. certainly an explosive back. The thing about the Shanahan offense, though, you don't know who's starting one week, who's starting the next week. You know if they're, if they're playing hot, and that's what, they, that's what they do in Kyle Shanahan's offense, and same with his dad, Mike Shanahan. Yes. They ride the hot hand. He's adopted that policy from his dad, yes. He's adopted it from the old man. So we have also Tevin Coleman. He had relevance last year as well at stretches. He was actually the guy that you wanted to have on your team for a lot of the year. And if you think about it, he actually has the longest tenure with Shanahan going back to their days together in Atlanta. 
Uh, he's playing for the veterans minimum this year also with Coleman. He's making the lowest salary that he can for his experience and his service time. And period, he was just playing well last year for stretches. He had double-digit carries in every game between weeks 5 and 12 last year. And he had a couple big games, including one game against Carolina. He had four touchdowns and over 100 yards. Those are the kind of guys that you really want as, you know, depth running backs in a best ball format. A guy who has potential to just swing into the lineup one week and get 20 carries and run for 100 yards. That's what Tevin Coleman offers you. If you compliment, you know, compliment Mostert with Coleman, I would love that strategy in best ball. Not a guy who's going to catch a ton of passes necessarily, Coleman, but if he's the hot hand at a particular moment, he's going to get 10, 15, upwards of 20 carries at most. And the last guy here got Jarek McKinnon. Yeah. He's fallen out of favor. You know, he's fallen out of the mind a little bit here because he hasn't played in two years. But a guy who was personally selected by Shanahan and Lynch and company out in San Francisco, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan bring him in because they like his game. He's a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. Or He did that for Minnesota. Certainly had some PPR utility when he was with the Vikings. You know, a flex consideration, but... A guy who it seemed like when he was going off with Minnesota in 2017, if he could get more opportunity, he could be really, really a big-time fantasy asset, Jarek McKinnon. Uh, unfortunately, he tore his ACL going into 2018. He's had some recurring knee injuries, but not so much in- injuries, but recurring issues in recovery. But it seems like he's back, Jarek McKinnon. So as a deep flyer, not, not someone I'm saying, you know, certainly risk with the injuries, but as a deep flyer. Jarrett McKinnon, not a bad option here, but the top two, I'm going to go with a 49ers backfield, definitely into the strategy of getting both Mostert and getting Coleman as well. Another uh, best ball value at running back, well, Jordan Howard of the Dolphins. What do you see here? Well, Howard, since he joined the NFL in 2016, he's the NFL's third leading rusher in terms of cumulative rushing yards. Since he entered the NFL four years ago, only Ezekiel Elliott and Todd Gurley have more rushing yards than does Jordan Howard. The last two years, he's been top 17 in the NFL in goal line rushes, so he gets to work near the goal line, though he doesn't offer a ton through the passing game, of course. So more of a guy for standard than PPR. But Jordan Howard now going to Miami. He could have some intrigue here. I don't know. Brita, we, we may have discussed in previous weeks. Brita, will he cut into the workload of Howard? But do you have any intrigue in Howard, and where would you feel comfortable taking him? I know late. Uh, it's well, yeah. What basically what I've seen in him, it's it's between him and Brita is on the board, and uh, yeah, I I like Howard a little bit more just because I I think I could trust him, and he's had a little bit better production than Brita. Brita's had a couple, you know, some good games with San Francisco, but with Howard, I mean, he did it with the Bears, the Eagles. Time I I don't know that didn't do much for me, but. With the production proven, I, I like Jordan Howard in that spot. I think so, and it's the touchdowns that really get me in the best ball yes. format. Yeah. He's had at least seven touchdowns in all four of his NFL seasons. Rita, his entire NFL career, 10 total touchdowns. Granted, he's playing for Kyle Shanahan, but still, you're going to get more touchdowns out of Jordan Howard. So to me, if you're going to get a Dolphins back, he's the guy you want, uh, especially in best ball. When he was healthy last year, again, he missed the second half of the, of the season with an injury, but he had double-digit carries every game, weeks three through nine. He got plenty of work, even in the Doug Peterson offense, where we know they spread the rock around the different running backs. 
I think he's going to get decent work in Miami. Not someone I want to slot into my starting lineup, but yeah. a best ball consideration. Exactly. Another guy I want to talk about, well, the guy that was uh, probably the most controversial trade in the offseason, David Johnson. Obviously, they like him in Houston, so does that mean they're going to use him this year? It could be a value. He was the key piece or one of the key pieces to pulling off the Hopkins trade. I mean, it was certainly a highway robbery from the Cardinals <laughs> standpoint, but he was the key piece from the uh, Bill O'Brien GM's Houston Texans. And what we have here, he was extremely effective early in the season, but we forget about it because he was totally out of favor once Kenyon Drake came in. Weeks one through six of last season before the injury, he was on pace for over 80 catches and 800 receiving yards on top of about 800 rushing yards. With that kind of production, he would have been averaging over 20 points per game in PPR scoring. He would have been the second best back in fantasy had he been able to maintain the production he had weeks one through six. Now, with David Johnson, we're always saying, okay, if, if, should, yeah, okay, but he can't stay healthy. Okay, but the upside is immense. In full point PPR, those first six games, he was over 18 points in five of the six games. Once Kenyon Drake came in, he went crazy against the 49ers on Thursday night, and we never heard from David Johnson again. Yeah. But I do think he's coming back. He's a fifth-round pick, Paul, and this is a guy we talked about last year as a top-five overall pick. Yes. He has huge upside. He has huge upside. And, and I got to say, yeah, where he's going in that fifth round and who you're potentially going to pick against – I, I like him. I'm I'm growing a little bit more for him here. I'm obviously the injury things have kind of pushed him down, but where he's going, the value is definitely there and and the upside too. Are you trusting him as your number one back this year, not, Paul? If you, if you not you number go one, in the, you come out. Are you okay with that? Not number one, but if he's my RB two, or in some cases three, or maybe flex, I I can live with that. I'm 100 percent with you on that. I I don't think I want to slot him into my one spot. If he's my number two, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm with you 100%. Now we're going to switch to a, a value that could be in the quarterback market here. Jared Goff. All right. Tell us about him. All right, Paul. Here's the list of quarterbacks the last two seasons to throw for at least 4,500 yards. Jared Goff. And that's it. That's the whole list. Whoa. He's <laughs> the only quarterback in the NFL to throw for 4,500 yards each of the past two seasons. Can you believe that? I, I can't. I was waiting for Drew Brees, Rodgers. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. That, that, that's a, it is a high number. 4,500 yards is definitely an outstanding total. It seems like in today's NFL, I was looking back through the last few years, and this is a guess, but it's, you know, four, five, six guys hit that number every year. It's a pretty select group. But he's the only quarterback that's done that the last two years, each of the last two years. He's going dirt cheap as well in fantasy drafts this year. He was the 13th best quarterback last year overall. He's going around the number 20 pick. Uh, you know, that, that makes sense for me where he's going around 20. He's not really a sexy name, but he, he is really valuable. Weeks 13 to 17 last year, crunch time for fantasy football. He was the sixth best, number six quarterback in fantasy, over 21 points per game multiple passing touchdowns in each of those final five games to wrap up the regular season. And he was over 325 yards per game in those last final five games of the season. So basically those, you know, fantasy playoffs, he was the sixth best quarterback. This is coming off the heels of a QB seven finish over the course of all 2018. He was just behind Aaron Rodgers in fantasy scoring in 2018. I don't know. He's, 
not someone that's going to light up your fantasy league when you take them. If you're going to do a you know wait on quarterback, do a two quarterback strategy where you take a couple flyers, take a Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. combo him with a Jared Goff. I think that this could certainly a high floor guy, and people kind of sleep on McVay. I mean, he had all the hype as maybe the best offensive mind, and now after the Patriots Super Bowl. They scored what six points? It seems like yeah. the hype on Sean McVay has died down. That's still a that's still a darn good offense that they're running out in LA. And you brought up a great point there. You know he is he's consistent, and that's what you want to win in fantasy, especially down the stretch last year. Twenty one and a half points per game. If you could bank on that from your quarterback position, knowing you were going to get that, you could say, "Yep, that's twenty points off the board." I know history's showing that he's going to give me that. I mean, just. To have that that you could go off of, that's what you want. I love a high-floor quarterback, and I love a quarterback you can get in the later rounds. We know that the distance from you know the third-best quarterback to the 12th-best quarterback is very small compared to the distance at other positions from you know front-end running backs to back-end running backs. That's where you can get the value, and that's why Goff makes sense if you're going to wait. Now we got a tight end value here. Hey, it's his, it's Goff's tight end, Tyler Higby. And yeah, he did really come on last season. I kind of forgotten. That's maybe why some people are maybe drafting him not high, but maybe grabbing him a little bit. Why? And well, there might be cause for that, right? Certainly. Yeah, he's going in the kind of the tight end seven, eight, nine range. Uh, probably as late as 10 in certain leagues and a couple slots earlier in others. But this is a guy who really popped late in the season last year. Believe it or not. Tyler Higby with his performance between weeks 13 and 16. Fantasy crunch time again. First tight end in the Super Bowl era to go for seven catches and 100 yards receiving in four straight games. I mean, sure, yes. that's, a, that's a unique combo of stats. But to be the first tight end ever to go four straight games with seven catches and 100 yards, that, that says something. That doesn't even include week 17 when he went for an additional eight catches and 84 yards against the Cardinals' sneaky defense. They're the worst tight end defense in the NFL last year. Yeah. But still, Higby was on fire to end the year last year. And again, it's just a really good Rams offense, underrated passing offense. The last two years, they've been top six in passing yards each year. Of course, via Goff and all the weapons they have on the outside with Cup and Woods and Cooks for a stretch. Third in completions last year with the Rams offense. And they were top ten in touchdowns last year as well from an offensive perspective. Yeah, give me some Tyler Higby. If you're going to wait, definitely. He has sneaky top five, six potential. Of course, there's a clear top four at the yes. position. Waller's kind of in that mid-range. He's right on the edge for me. I have trouble classifying him. He's kind of in the middle. And then it gets into the Gronk and the Higby territory. And Higby has some upside. I think that he definitely belongs in that 6-7 range among tight ends. And we'll wrap it up. Wide receiver value that could be out there for you. And uh, we've, we've talked to him on about different shows, but where he is falling in this year's draft, I, I'm, again, another guy I'm starting to believe a little bit more in, and that's uh, Will Fuller. We know the injury issues are there, but when he's on, he's on. He's the classic best ball player. And when I see a best ball <laughs> article, you know, anything, best ball podcast, he's going to be in the show. He's going to be in there. He's being drafted around wide receiver 33 this year. He's being drafted as an early uh, number four receiver for fantasy football purposes. Now, he's going in the range of Gallup. I may prefer him. But in terms of season long, he's going in the range of guys who in best ball, Fuller might actually have better value than them on certain weeks, especially 
guys like Edelman, hugely high floor. Yeah. Uh, we've talked him up in recent weeks. Boyd, he's going in that range. And uh, also Debo Samuel, who may begin the year on the physically unable to perform list. Fuller's in that neighborhood. But I think he has as much upside on his good days as any one of those guys. No question. Not as high of a floor. But his upside is immense. Playing with an MVP-level quarterback in Watson. Now, as you mentioned, he's missed a lot of games. He's only played 18 of a possible 32 games during the regular season the last two years. He missed a wild-card game against the Bills before coming back in the divisional round. But no question, he's dealt with injuries of all sorts. He's had a torn ACL, hamstring, groin. It's just been all over the place. But Deshaun Watson is talking him up. He's saying he is going to be Will Fuller. He's going to be one of the best receivers in the league. He's gotten a lot stronger. He's gotten a lot faster. I'm very confident in what he can do, said Watson. Now, these are training camp notes. we got to always take this stuff, take coach speak with a grain of salt. But, man, if Deshaun Watson's talking him up, and when he's in the lineup, he throws it to him deep. Will Fuller, despite all the games missed, he still ranks 30th in the NFL over the last two years in targets 20-plus yards down the field. 25th in deep touchdowns the last two years, and he's missed half the games. So best ball, this is exactly where you take a guy like Fuller. Season-long, you know, a regular fantasy league, the injuries may turn me off, but best ball, this is the format that is right up Will Fuller's alley. That is where I believe in him a lot more because yeah, in this format, you, you, you don't have to worry about it as much. Well, you know, you obviously don't want him injured, but... You can live with it, and uh, with the production that he'll provide for you when he's healthy, that, I mean, that's all world. All world, and he's the guy that's been there with Watson. I mean, Cooks, I really believe in Cooks' upside coming in. Stills has been there for one year, and he's a high floor guy, too. But Fuller has been there the longest of all these Texans receivers. I think Deshaun Watson just loves the guy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, long-tenured teammates have got that camaraderie, especially in a weird season like this with no OTAs. Look for Fuller's value to be a little bit better than his ADP may indicate. I really think that. And once again, Corey Smith with Rotowire working on some good stuff. You still covering the Falcons and getting you ready with that. Other stuff you're working on right now? Well, I've got a new article up. Uh, it's on my site. It's called This Is TotalFootball.com. I've got a new article up. It's about the uh, 1990 Shock the Nation tour for the Texas Longhorns football team. Basically, the Texas Longhorns were just in a huge drought. Uh, they had a couple of winning seasons, but they were losing a lot. And the 1990 season, under Coach McWilliams, who I interviewed for this uh, for the story, along with quarterback Peter Gardier, they had a magical season. They almost made it to the championship game, just fell short, and uh, ended up getting blown out by Miami in the Cotton Bowl. But it's really just the story of Coach McWilliams and really that whole 1990 season, which is uh, a historic one for the Texas Longhorns. So. Check that out. This is TotalFootball.com. All right. Sounds awesome. Well, Corey, again, thanks for checking us out here this week, and we'll be with you next week. Thank you so much, Paul. I look forward to it, man. Another great episode, and thanks for having me. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.